Welcome to Episode 7 of Breaking Espanol. On today's show, we have a hostful for you as Ben and I sit down and chat about our trip to Portland and keeping up with practicing while away. We threw our son a bilingual birthday party for his first, and we also chat Spanish and politics after watching the conventions. Enjoy the show. Jenny here with my husband, Ben. Hola. And we are going to be sweating here in a little bit, huh? See? It's officially summer in San Diego, and we usually record at night, but yesterday we had a good beach day. We got home a little late. And our son was crazy. He was an animal yesterday. (laughs) I think we have officially hit into toddler stage. Mm -hmm. He didn't sleep all day, Mm -hmm. which... Anyone knows that has a kid. When your kid doesn't sleep for the entire day, you are definitely ready for a nap. And he may have said agua, or at least our nanny thinks so. Oh, yeah. One of his first words in Spanish. So exciting times. Yeah, that's a good, uh, like, write that one down in the milestone book. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, so we got home a little late. So we are recording in the middle of the day, and it is warm. (laughs) Yes, it is. (laughs) And we also had kind of a short week. Because we were out in Portland until Monday. Yeah, we just got back. Really good trip. I think it was good for us to try kind of recording on the go and doing keeping up with Spanish while we were gone. Like, do you think it went pretty well? Uh, you know, I, I felt like I didn't speak nearly as much Spanish, but we did have some interesting conversations with your cousins who both speak it fluently. Yeah, they've been, what are they, like just out of college, one's still in college, and it was nice being able to talk to them pretty much in Spanish as much as we could when we were all hanging out because we were asking them so much question, so many questions about like growing up in an immersion school, all that. And we, we actually, or I was able to sit down with one of them and have a conversation about growing up in that immersion school and how their parents played a role. So in the future, in a future episode, I'm excited to uh, share that one because since we're putting Jack through an immersion school, that's the plan. I thought it was a really interesting to talk to someone who's been through it. Yeah, you can kind of see what it was like. And yeah. Hear. Same thing. I felt the same way as with traveling and talking, like, because I didn't have my usual routine here or, like, seeing our nanny every day, who I usually talk to a lot. But we, we ran into it. Like, didn't we have someone on the plane? Yeah, there was this lady, Carolyn... I think it was Carolyn, right? Not Caroline. Yeah, she was very Caroline specific. with a Y. She was very specific. Um, and she was awesome. And she had just moved back from Qatar. And in Qatar, you know, which is an Arabic country, it was a totally different experience. But through talking about it, we were just talking about being bilingual, having compassion for other cultures, trying to understand what it's like. She got, you know, for eight years she was there. She had this uh, very immersive experience uh, into the Islamic culture and and what that part of the world is like, and it's very different than what you know. She would always she was continuing to remind us like what you see on TV and all these other things is very different than what you know the millions and millions of people that are Muslim and live in that part of the world act like day to day and how they feel about everything. Like it was very different. So it was really interesting, even though it wasn't Spanish. Just to hear about compassion for other cultures, because that's kind of the one of the ideas behind our podcast here. And then in, in, in the conversation, she brought up that she actually lived in Peru for a few years, in Lima. 
And the funny thing was, is I think we had mentioned that we have a podcast, we're doing this thing, and she just instantly busted out Spanish, and we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> she, it was good, though. I completely understood her, and she was really good at speaking Spanish, but not overly fast, but she was, I definitely could keep up. It, was, yeah. it wasn't like she was going really, really slow. Yeah, and she said Peru was great. Um, it was, I think, the 90s when she was there or something. So Yeah, very different. She said not as busy as it is now. There was no, I mean, the internet wasn't really a thing back then. There wasn't an app on a phone that you could translate anything instantly. So different experience altogether. Um, one of the things I was interested in talking with her about it was uh, how the people were. And she said they were uh, mucho cariño, which is like very lovey or like uh, very warm. Uh, warm, yeah. You know, inviting. they're very, yeah, very inviting, very nice. Um, but there was also uh, mucho probesa, so like a lot of poverty. So just just people were extremely poor um, all over, but the people were very nice. You know, the food was great, beautiful place, but. Uh, for her, she said it was kind of tough. I think she said three years and she was out out of there. But again, great experience and all that. And now, I mean, her knowing Spanish as well as she does living here in San Diego, you know, totally going to benefit her. Uh, interestingly enough, she said when she was in Qatar, she did not learn Arabic. She said she had full intentions. Because there was so much English. Right, because going over there, everybody's learning English or, it, you know, all the signs are in Farsi or whatever the Arabic language is. I probably got that totally wrong, but it's it's in that different alphabet with that different language, but it's also in English. So she never even, like, it, it would be harder for her to learn uh, because it's not like a country that barely speaks English and you are forced to. So without that incentive, she just kind of didn't, didn't do it. So uh, really cool experience. I mean, just immediately on the plane, meeting somebody talking about this stuff, um, and then in Portland, yeah, I mean, as you mentioned, I, I don't feel like we had a lot of opportunities to speak Spanish. Uh, maybe just because we were hanging out with family, not going places. That's but. what I think that's exactly what it was. I mean, we were there for a family reunion, so half of the time it was like everyone just wanted to see Jack and play with Jack. So we ended up at a lot of parks and mm -hmm. at people's houses. And We did go to a Mexican restaurant. Yeah, I always laugh when we go to Mexican food up there because we are so spoiled with mm -hmm. Mexican food down here, but they always, this was kind of a happy accident. We wanted to go to a Spanish tapas place. I don't know if you knew, that was originally where um, my good childhood friend, we met oh, up with her. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, we wanted, she wanted to take us to this Spanish tapas place, but apparently can't have babies there. So <laughs> Ay, I, I, think, yeah, I think it was like maybe somewhere, you know, that you grab drinks in the middle of the day, a little bit wild. So um, yeah, so we ended up at this Spanish place. So it was kind of like a, like a Chipotle where you walk up and get food. And, yeah, it's but, kind of prepared, yeah. you know, that day. I mean, and I just, thought mine was fine. I mean... I had something really interesting. Nobody knows how to make a good margarita, I'm telling you. Yeah, margaritas... Yeah, you have to go to a craft cocktail place. But um, I had something they were called, what, Salvadorian pupusas. And it was a pork pancake. It was so weird. I don't think you knew that's what it was going to be. I, I didn't know. I thought it was like they were calling it a pancake as in it was like pork shaped like a pancake or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like almost like pulled pork, whatever. And it was actually really good. It, it kind of reminded me of like... It reminded it, me of those little, like not the Hot Pocket things, but like... Didn't it look kind empanada. Of like empanada, yeah. Yeah, that's very, what I was going to say. Very thin. Right. Not right. It literally looked like a pancake, but then as you cut it open, there was like shredded pork with some kind of sauce. 
Um, it was good. Uh, I really enjoyed it, but it didn't look appetizing. It did not. <laughs> like it needed a salad with it or something. And green. the description pancake didn't fit. <laughs> you know, when you think of a pancake, it maybe looked like a really thick, almost like pita bread. It yeah. looked like a, like a piece of pita bread, it was but very... it had pork in it. No color. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unappetizing looking, very tasty. And the only reason I ordered it because, you know, first off, we're in the Pacific Northwest, not really known for great Mexican food. And especially being where we're from, we're so spoiled to have such great options. So, you know, something like a fish taco wasn't, Yeah. <laughs> you know, I saw something on the menu that was like, well, I've never, heard, never even heard of that. Let's try it. So Portland's great though, because Portland is a, it's a, foodie place there's some really great yeah. restaurants and kind of um different cultures of restaurants right like you could get pho there there's tapas and things like that so i think we when we compare to mexican food yeah. we don't really probably think it's the best but they do have a lot of different like i'm always excited my aunt always takes me to yeah, yeah. thai food and things like that but yeah, yeah I probably good, wouldn't great get it for food chocolate. great food in portland for sure um, you know, it's hard, which we never get to explore because we were just talking about that when we came back, like how much it's such a great town. I, I mean, I grew up there. What, what was I there? 10 years. And I never even went and did a lot of the stuff. Well, I guess I didn't go wine tasting cause I wasn't there at wine tasting age, mm -hmm. but that's so many things we still want to do up there. Just hiking. You can just pull off the road and there's yeah. hiking and beautiful place. Yeah. Especially when the weather's nice, it's and hard it's, to beat. Well, it's recruiting season in the summer. They call that for a reason because it's <laughs> so, so clear. Everyone. It's beautiful. It's so clear and it's, it's lush and green. And so you're like, man, this is what a great place to live. And then for us, we remember, oh yeah, it's lush and green because it rains. Because it's rain. And... Every month, but July, but yeah. July is my favorite month to go out there. And it's always really pretty. And no, that's great. Um, I, I think uh, any city would be it would be a tough challenge for them to beat the Mexican food we have here being a border town. Totally. You know, so yeah, but but anyways, it was a great experience. We did get some opportunities as yeah. you mentioned. And I packed Jack's uh like his books in Spanish and I brought a few of those. So it kinda kept our routine the same. So I did the dialogue in the morning and the afternoon, still just talking to him his usual Spanish, which, you know, those are those small wins, right? You know, mm -hmm. just being able to use those. And everyone, like, that knows that we're learning Spanish, you know, that they really are receptive to it and, and they, they don't, like, stop us from talking it or, like, speak English, you know, nothing like that, <laughs> right. which is nice. But, yeah, so we, we just had a practice a little bit and then getting to talk with the cousins and stuff was, was mm -hmm. really good. But, yeah, I think all in all it was a pretty good trip. It was only four or five days, so it wasn't too long away. Yeah. But it was a good time to practice it. And since the last time we've done an episode like this where we're just talking, uh, we also had a birthday. We now have a one-year-old. We didn't have a birthday. Our son had a birthday. <laughs> I feel like anything that happens to Jack is like happens to That's us. That's true. It so, is, yeah. We, we had a birthday, yeah. yeah. So he's now one, and we got to host a little... I mean, it was pretty small, but we did a bilingual party. I mean, bilingual just because of a lot of people that we invited. We wanted to be able to let everyone kind of, like, especially my family came from out of town. Just a few people. My dad and my aunts, and they don't know any Spanish. And I didn't want to make them feel uncomfortable, which I think is sometimes my my thought and my challenge. Is I don't want to make anyone who doesn't know Spanish uncomfortable being around their mm -hmm. grandchild or, you know, stuff like that. And so... I always try to find that happy medium. So the birthday party, I didn't 
go overboard, but we, I invited our nanny, which I thought was really great. I hadn't had her come with her family in a while. And I really liked that she was able to bring her daughters and she had helped me a lot with the party beforehand with the food, which we heard from everyone. The food was really good. So I was really thankful that she helped me and we had, um, what did we have? We had carne asada tacos. Carne asada tacos. She made a couple salsas. Uh, she made a... <laughs> Spicy. Salsa rojo, salsa, or salsa roja, salsa verde. And I put um, muy picoso. I put like a little signage on everything. And I just wasn't thinking. It was just in like autopilot mode. And I wrote muy picoso, which means very hot on the red one. Or like really spicy. Really spicy, yeah. Oh, exactly. Really yeah. spicy. And I forgot that maybe some people don't know that. And so <laughs> it was really funny. Like a lot of people were very surprised. My aunt, remember my aunt said that she... Uh, my dad's sister said that she put um, salsa, red salsa, oh, yeah. all yeah. over the carne asada, like just smothered it, and it was it was yeah. that kind of spice that like kicks the back of your throat. It was like mm -hmm. serrano chilies, so <laughs> I got a good laugh. I was like, my make culpa, make culpa, my fault. <laughs> the the thing that was interesting or funny about that, I remember because um, I kind of ate last, and every you know I wanted everyone else to get a chance and. I come over and people are really talking about how spicy the 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 red sauce was, but it was probably eighty percent gone. It was, we had a big carafe of it, like because a, people didn't know, and most people like red. But salsa. you'd think that after yeah, like somebody would say something, and then oh, I got a yeah, a lot of people said something, but it was after the and fact. the green one was totally untouched, super mellow. Yeah, it might Funny. just. Might just show people's preferences on salsas, but... And then we have Patricia, our nanny, make ceviche a lot. It's like my favorite. And it was this was my first time making it myself, and she said I did a good job. Oh. So that was a... Felicidades. <laughs> oh, impressive. And I did a summer sangria and just water and lime. I am obsessed with water and lime. I think yeah. we got that when we Tulum. were in Tulum. And now when someone says, do you want a lemon in your water? I'm like, I look at them like, no, no I want lime. <laughs> I want lime. <laughs> yeah. Le like lemon tastes gross to me now. It tastes like... Um, it's weird. It tastes like sanitizer or bleach or some kind of cleaner. I think we're so used to it being in like every you oh, know, small little container. Can't stand it. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. So that that's always like a, a, a one that I like to do, especially at a party. But yeah, we um, definitely spoke some Spanish. There, we have a couple friends that are learning. Mm -hmm. uh, my my cousin Jessie was there. She, the one from Honduras, so she was hilarious when we did the cake smash. Mm -hmm. Latin girl, I love her because she's always has the energy, <laughs> and Jack just loves her and adores her. And we put him in his high chair, and put this little cake in front of him for the cake smash, which. I, I don't think that's a very traditional thing for any Latin parties. <laughs> we we ours was way far away from a Latin traditional Latin yeah. party because we have such a small family. But we put him in the high chair, had his little cake smash, and I swear he just thought it was his lunch. Like he was kind of like, "Why is everyone staring at me? <laughs> yeah. Why I eat my lunch?" And she's over there just clapping anytime you put his hand near it. She just cheer and he kept looking at her like. We got okay. some great photos though. We'll put those on the uh, yeah. show notes for this yeah. page. Yeah, we'll share some photos and. We had a little board that said Tango Un Año, which is, how you say, I, I have one year, yep, I which have one is year. in Spanish. And actually, you wanted to talk about that a little bit, right? Yeah, the things I learned, I was going to go a little bit more into that. Okay, but, cool. Um, and also, I wanted to mention and say thanks to everyone because we've gotten so many great books in Spanish. So we got some new ones. We had we got Oso Pardo, Oso Pardo, which is Brown Bear, Brown Bear. And that one is, it's really easy. It's not, it's, um, what is it, Que Vesa E? What do mm -hmm. you see? And that one's, I really like that one. 
and that's a good translation. Some of the books don't translate great. Right. They've, they've done, maybe they just did Google Translate. Well, I don't know. Is that the one with the macaroni penguin? No, that's uh, Oso, Pan- Oso Panda. Oso Panda, yeah. I just love that because the translation is uh, Pinguino Macaroni. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just, like, yeah, it's just kind of goofy names to begin with. And right. Because I remember thinking, well, like, how are you going to translate on, that? Yeah, they're just expanding <laughs> on Brown Bear, Brown Bear. They were running out of animals to use, so they got a little exotic in that book. Yeah. But, yeah, and then we got, um, how do you say it? I can't remember how you say it, but the the caterpillar book. Uh, the Hungry Hungry Caterpillar? Yeah, well, it's Umbrigo. Um, I'll have to look at it. But yeah, yeah and then some birthday cards. So I'm, I'm really appreciative of everyone that has kind of supported, or I shouldn't say kind of, they have supported this journey and, and really found some fun little, uh, one of our friends got us little maracas, got Jack little maracas mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a cool book that's, about the history of Mexico. It's a little bit more for when he's older, but each mm-hmm. letter kind of tells, I think it's called um, P is for Pinata. Yeah. And it has a different, like every letter is a different, maybe cultural thing or history for Mexico. So he got some great little gifts that I was really excited about. But yeah, I think for the whole thing went pretty well for having just a small, you know, bilingual birthday party. That's awesome. And yeah, so after we got back from Portland, um, after Jack's birthday, after after uh, Portland, um, there was an interesting moment in, I don't know, history or whatever, but uh, the now vice presidential nominee for the Democratic Party spoke Spanish at the convention, which uh, was, I knew that the guy, his name's Tim Kaine, he's now the VP, the running mate for Hillary Clinton, and it got me thinking and kind of researching like uh, speaking Spanish in politics. And in doing so, there's some really interesting stuff. I mean, so first off, Tim Kaine, they say is fluent in Spanish. I don't know, you know, we don't have a good measure of fluency, but he seems to speak it well. He actually gave an interview to uh, Telemundo entirely in Spanish. So I don't know if that's fluent, but that's good enough, right? If you're especially a public figure like that. And in researching it, Uh, I found out that there's actually quite a few uh, politicians, like really high-level, prominent politicians on both sides, Democrats and Republicans, that speak Spanish. On the Republican side, I saw Marco Rubio uh, speaking and giving an interview entirely in Spanish again, and I was really impressed by that. And then Jeb Bush, um, whose wife, I believe, is Hispanic. I'm not sure if she's Mexican or what, but, um, but he was, again, giving an interview speaking Spanish entirely as well. So... The idea is that, or the the point of this is that it's not just, you know, people that live in border towns or whatever, like celebrities and lots of people that are really prominent public figures are bilingual. So there's sort of a movement here and it's universal. It's not, you know, any one particular demographic or people that have a specific way of thinking or whatever. Um, and I just think it's real exciting. You know, I mean, here we are doing this thing feeling a little bit like we haven't heard too many other people talking about how they're so excited about this journey. And to see, you know, some very public figures speaking Spanish very well um, is was just really encouraging, you know, and, and I thought it was really cool. So some of the phrases that, that he used, I thought were kind of interesting. Um, in one of Tim Kaine's talks, he said, somos americanos todos. He said, in nuestro país, somos americanos todos, which means in our country, we are all Americans. 
And so he's specifically talking about, you know, people that have uh, immigrated here uh, illegally and, you know, are going to stay here, whatever. He's, he's just speaking like, look, we're all American here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then some of the other the, the other ones were si se puede, which he said. And that's kind of Barack Obama's thing from back when it's yes, we can. And we actually saw a sign that said uh, juntos se puede, which is together we can. So I just thought it was interesting, you know, uh, there are some phrases there. If you guys heard those and you weren't sure what he was saying, uh, maybe we can help clarify a little bit of that. But just overall, the message was that it's encouraging to see uh, people speaking Spanish, you know, that are at the highest levels of government and all this stuff in, in kind of our public lives. And how, you know, if anything, that should be inspiration for other people to want to actually do it. You know, it's kind of why we're here is to just tell our story and what our journey is like and maybe inspire others. And it's great to see, you know, other people doing that as well. Yeah, I agree. And it was neat seeing that even right, he said he was in Honduras however many years that like, yeah, he, he had a great accent still. And I, that's always encouraging for me knowing that like, yeah, you, yeah. you keep it and you get better. That's it, right, exactly right. Yeah, he sounded very uh, fluent, I guess is the way to describe how he sounded. Yeah. Yeah, like natural or mm-hmm. not fumbling. Mm-hmm. And do we have anything for things I learned this week? Well, I didn't have much in terms of new words or vocab, um, but, you know, just there are some experiences we had that were new, so uh, we've already talked about. Yeah, for me, it was, I was just talking uh, just a little bit ago with someone about the verb tener and the big difference between, I already knew this, but it's just kind of something that I like to repeat because... It is such an important one. Tener gets used a lot, so it means to have. And in English, we say, when you say something like, I'm cold, or a perfect example, when you say how old you are. So in English, you say like, you know, Jack would, not that he says anything, but, you know, (laughs) I I am one years old. And so in Spanish, everything is used with tener. So it's, I have hunger, I have cold, I have un año, right? Like I have one year. And it's, it could be very confusing for both parties to learn back and forth, right? So, like, I was just talking with our nanny about it, and she's like, well, in, you know, what do you say in English when you have something? I'm like, oh, it's always I am. And I am in Spanish is so permanent. It is like, mm-hmm. it's the verb, um, it's either ser or star. Or yep. Yeah, star, right? Ser is permanent, a star is temporary. Right. And so if you... I feel like anytime you use it, which would be yo soy for me, like I am, mm-hmm. it's very permanent. It's like, I am a woman or I mm-hmm. am, you know, it's very, it's not changing. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what it is. But you could say like, you know, if you wanted to say like, I am cleaning or I am running or I am surfing, you would say a story, which is from a star mm-hmm. because it's just temporary and it changes. And so right. it's very different between Spanish and English that we don't say things like that. We don't have that same way that we say I am is just how we would describe it so yeah like to your point you wouldn't say uh soy un año or estoy un año right which doesn't make make any sense it didn't make sense to me for a long time why I didn't though because I'm like I am this old I am you know hot I am you know so once I learned kind of that you do say I have it seems so natural now like Mm -hmm. when I'm you know Tango ombre, right? I am hungry. Like it is, or I have oh, like, hunger. Yeah, literal trend. Yeah, I have hunger. Right. Or I have sleepiness or something like right. that. Right. So, so now it makes total sense. But that's always something that when it gets brought up, it's kind of a good reminder for me that that's why I say it. And 
also instead of saying like I need to do something it which maybe I say like I need to go to the grocery store or something like that I do think in Spanish it's more common to say I I have well I have to yeah Yeah. Exactly. Tango K, which is I have to. And so tango K is another, um, or tenere K, right? You use, you Mm -hmm. conjugate it however you need to. But that's another really common thing in Spanish because that goes back to that whole thinking in Spanish thing. Like you can't just translate because in the language, it is not the common way to say it. So that's kind of what I kind of wanted to talk about this week is was going into how... I feel like tenere is definitely, what did he say that? A high-frequency verb? Yeah. Tenere is a high-frequency verb that you should know really well, along with a star and ser, and know the differences. Mm-hmm. Because when would you use a star and when would you use ser? One's permanent, one's um, not permanent. It's really important. Yeah. In fact, uh, a great, one of the first things I learned, uh, and with tenere, um, was to ask if somebody has something. So if you're at a restaurant or a store or whomever you're talking to, if you want to say, do you have whatever, right? Let's say, do you have chicken? Um, you say tienes, like tener, but for you would be tienes, chicken, right? So you can say that for a lot of things. It's a real simple way to ask for something, right? Tienes cerveza, whatever it may yeah. be. Instead of being like trying to overcomplicate it, being like, where is it or what aisle or, you know, right. it's really easy just to, yeah, like, tienes un pollo, tienes mm-hmm. pollo, like, mm-hmm. yeah. Very important one to, to learn and keep up on. But yeah, I think that's it. Anything else you have for today? Nothing for today. What do we have coming up? Well, you tell me. <laughs> You're the director here. <laughs> well, I definitely, I'm really excited to share sitting down with my cousin, Michael, we mm-hmm. went over a lot about the immersion school, so that's coming up in an, in the next couple episodes, as well as I think we're going to highlight and go back to a couple trips we took that people ask us about. If you follow my social media, I took a little trip down memory lane to Nicaragua, so I would love to share a little bit more and kind of our experience really early on how we felt being in a Spanish-speaking country, and um, at that time it was a really small town, a little pueblo you know, poor Spanish speaking countries. So that will be something that I'm excited to go back on. But yeah, we kind of have these trips we took at different intervals in our journey. Um, I guess, you know, we're still on our journey learning Spanish. We're still very early on, but I think it's cool to go back to those because it'll, you know, give people the sense of like, Hey, if, if I take lessons for three months and then I go somewhere, like, am I ready? You know, that kind of a thing, right? Because mm-hmm. we went to a couple different places at different intervals. And yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, I think it'd be cool when we get to sit yeah, down there and was talk a, about that. There was a very different between one month of Spanish Nicaragua mm-hmm. to maybe eight months of Spanish Spain yeah. for, you know, three weeks to maybe a year and a half of Spanish Tulum. Right. Like, I feel like there was a very big difference. And we can travel some more. Yeah, we do have some. <laughs> we have some more. Hopefully, travel we can get some of those going. Some yeah. more trips. All right. Well, I think that's it for today's show. Gracias por escuchar. Gracias. Nos vemos entonces. Ciao. Hey guys, thanks for listening. You can find full show notes and images from today's episode at breakingespanol.com. We appreciate you listening and would love to see you back here again. So be sure to subscribe now. We have new episodes weekly. Thanks, and see you next time. Adios.